As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yo, technology, what is it all about? I grew up watching the Jetsons. It's happening. Finally. <laughs> you know, there's a quote by uh, one of the Wright brothers where he said, I look forward to the day when aviation will be a daily part of people's lives. When was that? That was probably 100. That was like 1907. Right. So, so 100 years later, it's actually happening. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from behind the scenes and inside the minds of the top people in tech. We have a very Silicon Valley-ish episode today. I sat down with Mark Moore, who spent 30 years, over 30 years at NASA, before coming over to Uber, of all places, a couple years ago. And what he is working on is flying cars. Well, as you'll see, he doesn't like to call them that. We'll settle on air taxis. But he reckons that the world of George Jetson, uh, you know, gets up and flies to work in his little pod every morning, uh, will soon be a reality. And I know that sounds far-fetched, but Uber is very serious about this. And they reckon that by 2023, so that's four years from now, four and a half years from now, the first ones will be buzzing over our heads. I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. It's a really fascinating look into a potential future, or at least the direction of travel. And just one note before we get to that, we were going to do two pods this week, but the other guest I was going to have on got the flu which is going around. We had the plague descended on this house uh, about two weeks ago. It was horrendous, but hopefully um, they heal and we'll get get that sorted for next week. But in the meantime, I think you'll really enjoy this one. So without further ado, I give you Mark Moore at Uber. I have so many questions. Okay, let's do it. Air taxis, flying cars, whatever you want to call them. I don't want to call them flying cars because okay. people think they're going to be on the roadways on the ground, yep. which is the last place you want these vehicles because it's all about productivity. Ground is stuck in gridlock at 20 miles per hour. Yeah, You want these aircraft up in the sky flying at 150 miles per hour, moving quickly, moving people quickly. So you don't want rotable aircraft or flying cars. So before we get into the discussion of where things are and what you're working on today, can you just give a brief synopsis of your background, like how you got to where you are right now? Absolutely. So I I joined Uber two years ago, and I came from NASA, where I, for 32 years, developed uh, vertical takeoff and landing technologies and aircraft concepts. 
uh, especially the last 10 years of my career at NASA, I pioneered what's called distributed electric propulsion, which is the core technology that's allowing all these new electric VTOL air taxis come uh, forward. Brand new technology that lets us design aircraft completely differently. So you've been working on this since, just doing math here, since the 80s or mid-80s. Yep. When you were doing that then, were you like the only guy? Was this a very lonely endeavor? Well, it was much more focused on um, military aircraft. So, for instance, uh, NASA spent 30 years developing tilt rotors. The XV-15 was our experimental vehicle, which then later turned into a military capability, which was the V-22. Right. But, yeah, you're right. It's been kind of a a lonely uh, niche of research, which over the last few years has suddenly blossomed into every single aerospace company jumping into this. If you could just give a sense of where things are today in terms of the technology and what's actually being worked on right now. A lot of people still think of this idea of air taxis or flying, you know, intercity flying transport as either helicopters or just that's it, really. They don't really think of this as a possibility. That, that is. It, that's all. Helicopters have been the only choice for the last 60 to 70 years of being able to take off vertically in the civilian market. They've got a lot of uh, things that aren't so great about them and is why they haven't turned into, like, real urban transportation. One, they're incredibly noisy, and the community doesn't want to put up with that. Another is they're incredibly expensive. On a per-passenger mile basis, they're about $10 per passenger mile. That's, That's not practical transportation. Also, they don't have the best safety record. But even more importantly that, they aren't perceived safe by the public. Yeah. Because my, my dad, who's a pilot, I think I mentioned to you, he calls, he said, um, helicopters, he says, that's not flying, that's beating the air into submission. Exactly right. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what fixed-wing pilots say about uh, helicopter, yeah. uh, helicopters. And, you know, they're kind of right because it's, it's, there's very bad vibration and... Essentially, you have hundreds of single failure parts, and if any one of those fail, that helicopter is coming down. And that's why it's so exciting that with these new electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, they don't have any single part criticality. They are implicitly designed redundant so that if any single part fails, you still have the thrust and the control to be able to complete your mission and land safely. That is the key difference between these eVTOL and helicopters. And the one other thing is these new aircraft, electric VTOL, are able to achieve a 15 decibel reduction quieter than the quietest helicopter. What does that mean? I don't know what 15 decibels sounds like. So so for instance, like the cert basis of a helicopter is about 85 uh, dB. When if you look at the background noise level of large cities, it tends to be more like 65 to 70 dB. Okay. So what this means is these new aircraft are going to be able to fly background noise. and go into the background noise. That's what's so critically important for this market to open up. Right. And so just for the listeners, eVTOL is vertical takeoff and landing, correct? Right. I know, you know, we aerospace engineers love acronyms. (laughs) So sorry about that one. That's all right. So what will these look like? They're being developed in all sorts of shapes and sizes. Yeah. So it's Uber. Uber's not building its own 
We are not. So right. we have five different aerospace companies that are all building demonstrator aircraft at their own cost. And the interesting thing is every single one of those five looks completely different because we are in this Wright Brothers era where everyone's got this new technology that lets you design aircraft so differently. So they're all designing the aircraft really, really differently, trying to figure out which way is best. But it's basically fixed wing, so it'll be something plane-like? Yeah, if you want to go fast, you have to have a wing. Yeah. Because that lets you have high efficiency at high speed. If you just have a rotor wing or fly with edgewise flight or have a multi-copter, they're really restricted in terms of efficiency. If I can put it in context, a helicopter has a lift-to-drag ratio. That's the metric we use for, mm-hmm. for efficiency of about four. These eVTOL aircraft have a lift-to-drag ratio of about 12 to 16, three to four times more efficient. That lets you go fast. A multi-copter, they only have a lift-to-drag ratio of about two. So they're right. actually worse than helicopters, and that's why every single one of the aircraft that you see being developed for us has a wing. So you're speaking not in the conditional, but as in like this is going to happen. This is happening. I mean... So that we are going to have... These, I'm not going to call them flying cars. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> EV tolls are whatever. Air taxis. The, air taxis. Let's compromise okay, on that. thank you. So we will have air taxis. <laughs> yes. In fact, we've already announced our first two cities, which is Los Angeles and Dallas, and that will start operations by the end of 2023. And we are on track to achieve that goal. This is happening way faster than people realize. There's already test aircraft that are flying that are proving just how quiet and safe they are right now. So the technology's there. There's a lot of different pieces of this puzzle to put together for this new transportation system. We've got to build the skyports, which are essentially going to be conversions of the top deck of elevated parking garage initially. We've got to build uh, the dynamic skylane control, which is the way that the airspace is managed. There's lots of different pieces. Uh, We've got to build the the rapid chargers that let these aircraft charge very, very quickly and in 15 minutes be able to get an 80% charge and in five minutes be able to get a 25 to 30% charge. All of these things exist, but in prototype form, in demonstrator form. All of this needs to be turned into real commercial products. So the technology hurdles have been surmounted. Yes. So it's a question of just scaling it up and choosing the right form and kind of the most efficient whatever. And and establishing the interfaces between them so they can be designed as an integrated seamless system. So that's that's one of the most important things that Uber is doing is we're – defining all these different interfaces. Again, we're not building an aircraft. Instead, we're saying, hey, this aircraft needs to be capable of this to be able to interoperate with the skyports. And the skyports need to be able to do this set of uh, interfaces and requirements in order to interface with the dynamic Skylane airspace control. So we're really kind of creating the blueprint for this wonderful collaboration partnership that's existing now across industry with Many, many different partners. And aside from being kind of super cool. It is, isn't it? <laughs> What's the point? Why? Why? I always say this is not just about super cool technologies, even though that's fun. It's about meeting a societal need. And that is the biggest, most productive cities are facing ground gridlock in traffic congestion. And they really need a new choice 
to permit those cities to remain productive. And if you look at the, the, the trends in population, over the next 20 to 30 years, these cities are going to get much, much bigger. And if you want kind of a, an example of what the future probably looks like for Los Angeles or, or New York, look at Sao Paulo in Brazil. I've, I've been there. It's the... It's endless skyscrapers, right? Yeah. As far as you can see skyscrapers. And endless gridlock. And this gridlock where you can't get anywhere on the ground. And that's why the one of the first places where they've turned to the skies is Sao Paulo, where they have fleets of 400 helicopters that are already doing these kind of trips, but they're not doing them well because helicopters just aren't the right type of vehicle to do it. Helicopters really are designed to hover very, very well. They're great at rescue missions, pulling people off the side of a mountain, but we don't need aircraft to hover. We, in fact, don't want them to hover. We just want them to take off vertically, move quickly and efficiently across the skies, and then land. So we really don't want to design these aircraft to be focused on a hover capability. They just need it for 15 to 20 seconds. Right. Let's go forward to say, let's say 2030, 11 years from now. What does a city like San Francisco or LA or Dallas look like in terms of the transport? Or just, you know, when you're walking around, is this right. something that you will see? Yes. So I'm confident you will see it in the, you know, we're already looking across the top, the biggest uh, 50 cities across the world and understanding how these skyports and these vehicle and this transportation system can map into their plans. You know, we don't want to do this on our own, but the ideal solution is that some of these skyports are located at airports, at train stations, at different nodal locations where you can have the best transportation transitions to provide people the most opportunity. But, you know, in the 2030 timeframe, I mean, that's about when these aircraft will become autonomous. We'll have collected enough data so that we'll be able to remove the pilot with proof that the aircraft can fly safer than a pilot. Um, we need hundreds of millions of trips to do that. So again, we start in 2023. By 2030, we get to autonomous flights, and that's when we can really scale and get the costs down. So a city like San Francisco, you may... Well, do you live in San Francisco? Cause 11 Oakland. Okay, so... I lived in San Francisco. Okay. And I used to live in London, which has its own condition. Problems. Okay, so these are two perfect cities to say, wouldn't you like to have more choices? I know I was paying $7,000 a month rent mm -hmm. uh, to live in San Francisco. Yep. It's insanely expensive. Los, uh, London is, is likewise expensive. Just imagine if you could walk to one of the piers and fly across to uh, Vallejo, or uh, let's say your favorite place is Napa. It's providing a whole new choice for cities to essentially rearrange themselves and to expand to be more distributed in their model. Again, I think probably one of the thoughts you're thinking is, oh, well, then, you know, you're traveling more. Yeah, but you're using less time doing that traveling. And so what's so critical is if we're going to expand the the distance that people can reach for where they work, where they live, where they want to do things. It's critical that we do it in an environmentally friendly and sustainable way. And that's why we're committed to doing this from day one as all electric, because it really becomes a forcing function on the utilities to help push them to provide that electricity with very green solutions. 
And again, by using electric, we're able to dramatically decrease the amount of energy we use. For instance, compared to a helicopter flying the same distance as one of our eVTOL, we will use 10 times less energy. Right. So it really so is... So a tenth of the energy. A tenth so. of the energy to go the same distance faster. So these really are very, very green, lean, money-making machines. <laughs> but is it... Will it make a dent? So, for example, the Bay Area has, I don't know, it's called yep. 5 million, 8 million people, I don't know, whatever it is, a few, many millions. Yep. If we're talking about these, you know, a fleet of vehicles that can carry four people at a time. Yes. This is a great point. Thank you for bringing it up. Because what's so cool about every one of these eVTOL that's flying is as productive as 20 UberX on the ground. So, you know, right Why? now. Why? How? Uh, for one thing, with every one of these eVTOL, we use pooling. So we never fly them with one person in it. That would be a total waste. I couldn't have Uber Air X and be like, I want my own. I want my own plane. Well, it would be, <laughs> it would be pretty expensive to do that. Right, so right. Uh, pooling is one of the core technologies that Uber's bringing to this to ensure that it's uh, both economically and environmentally friendly. But in the different studies that we've done across the cities, by having this 150 mile per hour cruise speed compared to the 20 mile per hour ground trips. Which is the average speed. Inter- intercity uh, speeds in like the Like highway cities. speeds. Highways in and around the cities, right, correct. Right, right, right. Yeah, so you have this six times multiplier in speed and then by being able to get an average number of people of, of about over three in each vehicle, that gets you to that 20 times ratio compared to a, an Uber X driving one person around on the ground. So, you know, at any time in San Francisco, you know, there'll be between like 9,000 and 12,000 Uber driving around. We would need less than 1,000 of these aircraft to match the effectiveness of that fleet. So that's a lot of new planes. It is. And what's cool is uh, this provides an opportunity for aerospace companies to build aircraft at a scale that they haven't seen since World War II, where these will be made in the thousands. While right now with helicopters, you know how many helicopters are made per year? I do not. Please wow me. Across the entire global civil market, it's about a thousand. So is that any, it? Yes. And and so any manufacturer is making on the order of 50 to 80 helicopters a year. That's I didn't called realize a, that. That's like that's Aston cottage, Martin or something. Yeah, that's a cottage industry of a- Aston Martins where everything is hand-built and they're incredibly expensive on the order of $2 million plus. So as we can go to more of automotive manufacturing processes and making thousands of these per year, it provides this opportunity to make them even at less than a million dollars and still be incredibly safe, capable machines. How many new pilots come onto the market every year? So your dad is a pilot. Yes. And so you probably know we're actually facing a pilot shortage. So that's one of the cool partnerships that we've got going across the entire 
eVTOL industry and with the FAA is what's called an SVO initiative, Simplified Vehicle Operations, so that there, there's not a lot of helicopter pilots out there. So what we're doing is develop standard interfaces and ways to control these vehicles where even fixed-wing general aviation pilots would be able to fly these vehicles safely with this side-stick controller that essentially has feedback and intelligence built in but we still keep the pilot in command of that vehicle until, again, every aspect of it's been proven out. So essentially what we're doing is creating uh, an easier-to-fly vehicle that can open up the pool of pilots to take advantage. For instance, in the United States, there's a very large base of general aviation pilots that could now potentially be mapped into this new commercial aviation market for, for urban flight. And I don't know if you've thought this far, but would they be contractors like the Uber drivers? Or would they actually be Uber employees? Because obviously it's a different skill it is, level. It's a different job, obviously. It, it is different. And we're still working out that portion, again, with our partners. You know, we have Embraer and Boeing and Bell. All is uh, have incredible experience, not only developing aircraft, but even getting into flight services. And so we're actively talking across the partnership of what is the best way to do this, both in terms of, uh, of safety and effectiveness. So going back to 2030, mm-hmm. I presume by then we will have drones will be everywhere delivering stuff. Yeah, such as uh, Uber Eats uh, drones down in San Diego. Which is, so you guys are working on your own drones now? Correct. For Uber Eats. Uber Eats is an incredible market for for Uber. It is growing at an an incredible pace. And it is, if you haven't used it, you should try it. Because there is nothing like just having food magically show up at your door ready to eat. So in that future where we have thousands, maybe tens of thousands of drones flying around. Yep. And then you have air taxis. Yep. I so mean, a I, lot of things potentially flying up there. Yeah. Yep. So when you look up in 15 years, is it just going to be just like this swarm of stuff flying in our kind of right above us in a way that would just, you know, will that experience yep. be different? That's a great question. So first of all, it's critical that you're not hearing them. Second, it's And drones are loud. Drones, well, most of them are multi-copters. Yeah. Again, it's this edgewise flight, and that's why they're so loud. They're not very good flying machines. Again, their lift-to-drag ratio is like two. They're right. very inefficient. They're slow. They're noisy. They're clunky. I'm excited that we're getting to the next generation of drones, which will mo- make those look like Model Ts. But you're right. There's going to be a lot of things up there. But realize there's already a lot of things up there. There's over a billion birds flying over the United States at any moment. <laughs> is, that a, is that a true fact? That's a true fact. Okay. Uh, most of them are pretty small, though. And very, but, and very quiet. And very stealthy. very quiet. They, yeah. boy, uh, the original yeah, made <laughs> them the perfect flying machine. They're the original eVTOL. Yes. We aspire to be as good as they are. Yeah. But one of the cool things that we're doing is my counterpart on our team is uh, another director, is Tom Prevo. He also came from, from NASA. He is one of the pioneers of what's called UTM, which is a set of technologies that NASA has developed over the last 10 years for the on-manned traffic management system. Mm-hmm. So this 
set of technologies was designed with drones in mind to be able to serve hundreds of thousands of drones over any city at one time. So it's really cool where we've hired um, this, actually several people from NASA with this expertise, and we're commercializing that technology where any one of these aircraft, before it even takes off, will be deconflicted in its route from any other aircraft. And at the same time, these vehicles will have sensors so that even from a peer-to-peer level as well, they'll have a second layer of uh, deconfliction on them to make sure that they don't ever uh, get into each other's space. So essentially, there's this cool set of technologies that ensure separation of the vehicles, both at a centralized way and in a distributed way to provide kind of a what would you call it, a, like a, a belt and suspenders right. check on each other. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I have two more questions and I'll let you go. I think you have a flight. One is around the unit economics. Yes. This sounds super expensive. It is until you realize, again, each one of these electric VTOL aircraft is as productive in generating revenue as 20 UberX on the ground. That's a really important multiplier. The aircraft, look at how Uber, right? We're eight years old. Yep. It's amazing how much we've done in eight years. But we started as a black car service, Mm -hmm. right? We started expensive. But then very quickly, we were able to get to an UberX product, which was considerably less expensive. So with any new technology, any new capability, it's going to start a little bit expensive. But again, the nice thing is it's not helicopter crazy expensive. So can you you compare what it would cost say, in 2023, when you're launching this, if I want to go from San Jose to San Francisco, which is 50 miles. Yep. Yeah. So let me compare to a helicopter. A helicopter, and I'll do all of this at a per passenger mile basis. Helicopters are about $9 Mm -hmm. per passenger mile. Right off the bat, these new vehicles are letting us drop to about $5.80 per passenger mile because they're electric. They have so much lower energy costs and are so much more efficient. So that's day one 
with the first 50 aircraft. But over the next three to five years, as we essentially achieve an efficient network where we've got 300 of these flying over a city, we're able to make sure that we have three and a half people in each one of the flights. We have the aircraft operating 2,000 hours per year so that we're amortizing the expense of that vehicle well. Then our estimate is we'll be more at the $1.84 per passenger mile. That's a critical threshold for, the, for us because that's right about where UberX pricing is today for you to have an Uber to yourself. Again, the key differentiator you, right. is we're pooling from yeah. day one. If you want to fly this by yourself, it's going to be an expensive trip. But with yeah. pooling and with the high utilization of the, the vehicles, we're able to get that UberX-like pricing. But what's even more exciting is as these vehicles are made in mass production, thousands of units per year, as we're able to get to autonomous, as we're able to get to the advanced batteries that are much lower cost and last longer, that's where we get below 50 cents per passenger mile and we can start to compete with private car ownership. And that's stunning. Do you see the path? We see the path. We've done the economic analysis. We know what to do to, to get there. And that's why this is so exciting because this is not something for the few. This is something we can design for the many and to serve cities to really provide a difference in transportation. And when Dara Khosrowshahi, the CEO, came on board, I imagine he looked at everything that Uber was working on, which is a lot. Did you have to convince him again? A- absolutely, this- we had to convince him. And I, I, I've had a chance to interface with him uh, many times. I am blown away by him. I think he is one of the best CEOs I've ever interfaced with. And it was a healthy skepticism that he brought to it. But I can tell you very, very quickly, we convinced him. And he spent many, many hours going through it so that he understood it. If you look at his interviews, he's actively um, talked about this in very intelligent conversations. So we are very excited to be led by Dara and that he is fully embracing this and leading us to this future capability. I grew up watching the Jetsons. It's happening. Finally. (laughs) You know, there's a quote by uh, one of the Wright brothers where he said, I look forward to the day when aviation will be a daily part of people's lives. When was that? That was probably 100. That was like 1907. Right. So So 100 years later, it's actually happening. So what do you think? Four years actually isn't that long. So I am guessing I'm going to be here in four years in San Francisco. So we will, we will see if his rosy projections are true. Obviously, a lot has to happen. But it's fascinating nonetheless. Something like 100 companies working on this stuff. So we shall see. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Like I said, we will be back next week with one, hopefully two, maybe, podcast. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, as always... Find me at the Sunday Times or online at thetimes.co.uk, Twitter at Danny Fortson. You can email me, danny.fortson at sunday-times.co.uk. And that's it. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.
Next stop, Road Station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.